So we wanted to start off the show uh, first just honoring a legal icon in this country, um, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who passed on Friday and really left a mark, not just in the legal world, but I say socially, that's the, the impression I got was if you're a young woman in this country, a young lady, and you had aspirations of really reaching for a higher office or holding a position of stature in this country, she was really the model that uh, demonstrated that you can be fierce, um, you can be intelligent, and you can really achieve anything that you you put your heart to. And so I, I thought she was just such a, a tremendous role model um, for youth, not just young women, but um, really anyone that's willing to, to fight. And the fact that she's only the second civil rights attorney to be on the court, her and Thurgood Marshall, um, she really left an important mark. And I think we're definitely going to see the impact of her loss very, very shortly. Uh, I'm not sure what your reaction was when you learned the news on Friday. So, I mean, well, first it was, wow, this is the worst thing that could happen at a time like this, especially in the middle of a, in a, the middle or really at the end of the election cycle. Mm-hmm. So it was more so shocking, but it just it was just a reminder that at, at this point everything is on the line and a bit scary to think that one person now has like now one person is going to bear that for everyone um, and that we're all going to feel that in so many ways if in fact the president is reelected and not even just if he's reelected just thinking about the next 40 days or less than that um, what could happen before January um, the inauguration but RBG did so much for women in terms of home ownership, um, being able to have rights within the workplace, um, like equality in the workplace. So it's just, I really hope people understand what it is that she did to protect women's reproductive rights and just opportunities for um, opportunities for women um, just beyond the workplace, but also in terms of, get, you know, having credit cards and being able to buy a home without a spouse. And so those things are important. And I don't think that that's talked about so much. And the reason why there is an emphasis for the Supreme Court and why people reacting this way is because right now this shifts the, traje- the trajectory of the, of the country. So just beyond this year, this will bear weight for the next for the next generation, you know, in terms of who's sitting on the court. So it is devastating. And, you know, it's just every day since Friday, you've seen different prominent Republican members who have spoken out before um, mm-hmm. in terms of what should happen in you know, what should happen or what power does the president have in terms of being able to find a, to um, bring forth a nomination in such a crucial time as this. And so it's interesting to see the hypocrisy now um, from the GOP after what happened in 2016 with Obama. 
Yeah, and I didn't in class, so I, I have the, the great fortune of teaching government, so there's not a better subject matter to learn in, in school, and I'll debate anyone on that, but um, I, I didn't really want to dwell on the fact that she passed, because she just meant so much. I thought I thought it important the last couple of days to really honor her legacy as a, not just in the judiciary, but also just as a, as a legal advocate, because mm-hmm. the work that she did with the ACLU, even before she was appointed yeah. to the bench, to me, is noteworthy. I mean, she fought, and we always, we focus on the women's rights that she fought for, obviously because important, because the country's patriarchal, and because that's who we are, but... I, I wanted them to really read the opinions and how she advocated for gender equality, period. She fought for men's rights also. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's male spouses who became widowers, and the law did not offer them the same protections as it did women when they became widowed. So mm-hmm. she fought and won before the court, uh, and I, I allowed my, my students the opportunity to read those cases and um, to really consider uh, the mark that she left. And I obviously I would have done that even if it had been for a conservative judge. It, it had nothing to do with that. To me, mm-hmm. I thought it important just because of her legacy. Um, mm. Now, unfortunately, to think about the political implications, you, you, we have statements that are contradictory now from the Senate majority leader. And it'd be, it'd be easy to say, well, if there's a, a Republican-controlled Senate and a Democratic-controlled White House, mm-hmm. and it's the last year of a president's term, okay, we're, we've already had a precedent. We're not going to vote on a new nominee. We're going to allow the electorate to determine who should fill that seat. Now, if that were the precedent set four years ago, that'd be one thing. But now they're changing the rules in the middle of the game because what they said four years ago was we can't vote on Merrick Garland, right? We cannot yeah. give Merrick Garland a Senate floor debate or a vote because of the proximity to the election. Right. Now, mind you, I'm going to put up a graphic for folks on YouTube and Facebook. Yeah. Mind has you. has the numbers? Yeah, it has the numbers. Okay. So we're talking about 270 days until election when Antonin Scalia died. We're talking 47 days before the election with the passing of Justice Ginsburg. So it, clearly that was not the reason that Merrick Garland didn't get a vote. It was just individuals with craven political interests deciding that it was not politically advantageous for them to bring this up for a vote four years ago. And it's pretty sad now that it's not even precedent precedent setting. Now it's just the precedent that's being established is you do what the hell you want, when the hell you want to. That's how I see what's going on. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about possible solutions for the Dems, but I'm curious what you think of the of the tools available to the Dems. What, what would you like to see them use now, it, assuming they try to go forward? And then let's imagine they win the election. What would you like to see the Dems do? Hmm. You're, you're talking about in terms of within the next, like before the end of this year? If Mitch McConnell, if Mitch McConnell brings... Trump's nominee up for a vote before November 3rd. Mm -hmm. The Dems have some options to stop that. But let's say they don't do it. They can't get this done, which would be historic speed. If they do have a vote before the election, it will be done in historic speed. It's never been done in four weeks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let's say they can't get it done prior to November 3rd. But Biden wins. 
I think it's a long shot, but let's say Biden wins and the Dems take the Senate. So during a lame duck session, yeah, Mitch McConnell tries to push this vote through. And there's nothing the Dems can do to stop this. Yeah, I was, yeah, was going to say there's you. They can't do anything because even if they were to take back the Senate after uh-huh. the after the election, they're not mm-hmm. sworn in until the first the first week of January. Correct. So there's they, they don't. I mean, I mean, they're very. You, I see you're going to go over them, but I'm just saying in terms of yeah, you might as well go over them. So they have a few options, and I want to hear what you would possibly support, what you think is yeah. far-fetched, what you think would divide the country, mm-hmm. and what you what would you care if it does divide the country? I'll go with the most, the least okay. extreme, in my view, the least extreme. Mm-hmm. The Dems could expand the federal judiciary. All they have to do is pack the court. It's been done before, and there's no... no but the thing is, would they be doing that right now? No. You're saying... That's not... A, yeah. I, I, so I'm answering a different question because right. I'm going to come back at the end for what they can do. Yeah. yeah so the question I'm answering is, what could they do in January after they take office? Mm-hmm. They, take, they take the White House. What can they do? They can pack the court. There's no constitutional restriction against them packing the court. And for those of you just joining us up at the banner, Becca, we're talking about... Uh, we were first honoring um, the legacy of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and now we're thinking about the political implications of her not having that seat um, and, and, and Trump potentially filling that seat. So I say that they can pack the court, and I think that they should. They're not constitutionally restricted against doing so, and the Republicans have been cheating all this time. The question I asked today is, like, if you're in the middle of a competition with someone, and you're unable to be successful in this competition because your opponent continues to either change the rules or not play by the same rules you're playing by. If you want to be successful, what do you need to do at some point? What do you have to decide to do? You gotta also play by a different set of rules or adopt the behavior of your opponent. Yeah. If I'm being slapped in the face, I either I either like it if I'm some type of masochist or I'm going to, you know, duck and weave or maybe slap back. It's time for the Democrats to grow a spine and slap back. The problem is yeah. they 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 want to just be holier than thou. And it's like, you know what? We're going to we're, we're not going to stoop down to their level. No, I see. This is where you and I part ways because I'm not with that. Michelle Obama, when they go low, when they go low, I'm digging lower. When they go low, I'm digging deeper. Well, you OK, so you started with one question. You didn't answer the question. I but answered it. One, answer, one part of it is they could pack the court. Mm-hmm. But you're saying how, but my, but where I'm confused is how are they going to pack the court if they don't have legislative power until January? You were saying if in fact they win, are you talking about after January? So they got two options. They can stop it right now, which is something that could be extreme, but it's yes. possible. Uh-huh. Or they could wait until, you know what? Let Trump do what he's going to do. Fill the seat. We got an answer for you. We're going to put four justices on. And I'm saying four intentionally. Not one, not two, because of the two that they stole. I'm saying four, because if they do three, then we'll have an even number on the court. They need to put four seats up and give the and give an actual liberal majority for the first time in several generations, which we have not seen in, in any of our lifetimes. 
Yeah. And like what you and I were talking about the other day, it's been moving from what's been nine to then 13. Yep. So that you are able to have a majority. So this has got a great question. If they pack the court, are there rules for who hears cases? Same court. Mm-hmm. The same court would hear. And so the other, the extreme, and this is what some Dems have proposed. So Mitch McConnell, being the Senate Majority Leader, determines what comes up for a vote in the Senate, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there is a way to force his hand. When the Speaker of the House who's currently Democratic, issues articles of impeachment, as soon as they land on the speakers on the Senate Majority Leader's desk, guess what he has to do? He can't sit in it like he does other legislation that passes through the House. Mm-hmm. He has to take it up for a vote. That would significantly slow down this train of confirming, working to, towards confirming a presidential nominee. Okay, but what are you getting ready to use now for articles of impeachment? They could impeach Bill Barr, the AG. So they you, could Trump. Okay. you don't think Trump's so you, a, there's no other offenses <laughs> that Trump could be impeached for? Trump could be impeached for a thousand things. Okay. So you're saying that right there. So, so you're saying use that as a stalling strategy. Yep. First, Trump, first they could they impeach Barr if the Senate handles that quickly. Okay. Wait a couple of days. Impeach Trump. They handle that. Okay. Impeach Barr for something else. Mm, I don't. Mm. And see now you're getting into that that democratic mindset, like mm, no, that, is not, that how we want government to function? No, that's not that's not what I'm saying. I'm just thinking in terms of what are they going to then use to still go around? Like, what would they then use to go around that? Nothing. I, I mean, don't know. There's nothing, right? I'm saying like so. I mean, was because one would argue then what what are we doing in terms of COVID? Like, how are we addressing that? And the fact that millions of people are still jobless. You've proposed no new stimulus plan. There have been thousands of businesses that have been forced to shut down. So at that point, it's just like, is this really the wisest thing to try and push forward impeachment? So we've got a question in the comments. It says, he could be impeached, but doesn't necessarily mean he'll be removed. The goal is not to remove him. Of course, he's not going to no. be removed because the Dems don't control yeah. the Senate. The goal is to use impeachment as a stalling tactic so that they so that we get to inauguration, assuming the Dems win. You get to inauguration before that there's ever a confirmation vote mm-hmm. um, for filling the seat in the Supreme Court. But you're asking about COVID and you're asking about the issues related to the electorate. Why, what constituents actually care about right now? And well, I mean, I just I just don't feel I mean, I hear you in terms of that being a strategy, but I just don't know if that if that will hold so much. Wait, sorry, guys. I feel like my phone keeps stalling, but I just don't know if that strategy mm-hmm. being used would actually keep them from being able to not proceed with the nominee, like without being able to proceed with hearings. So. And I I guess I'm just going to repeat. I don't think that people are unable to chew and chew gum and walk. I I think that you can work on impeachment to try to stall a vote on confirmation while also working on legislation for COVID-19 people suffering from either either 
uh, victims of the virus or the businesses right. that have uh, fallen apart or went bankrupt as a result. Okay, exactly. So that's so that's why I'm asking. So how then does that stop the nomination from going forward? Because you're what you're proposing is it almost sounds like they can only do one or the other. How? No, I, no, no, you could do them both. You could do it all. I, I think you could do it all. Um, I, I think that there's opportunities to work on this flawed government. And one of the flaws of this government is the lack of detail in this government's founding document. Because, because the Constitution should outline the procedure if this were to happen. And that's the problem with failing to have a constitutional convention every generation as the framers intended. We don't just discuss the lack of information in this document that's allegedly dictating how we're governed. Mm -hmm. And so when you have a Senate in a, in a one party's majority and a White House in a different party, how do you proceed? And the document could be improved if we were willing to consider making improvements to it. But we're not willing to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, 